This is Marek Stris Wilson, and you're listening to Into This. Into This is my podcast, welcome to it. And in it, I interview people involved in the contemporary arts in the city of Montreal in Canada. This is a special edition of Into This podcast. This episode is dedicated to the show called Serviniendo, Becoming, Devenir. Yeah, like that in three, three languages. And this show is presented by interdisciplinary artist Laura Acosta and architect David Jaime Ruiz. This show is composed of a virtual reality piece and a performance-activated textile-based sculpture. And these two pieces are also accompanied by a text written by Tania Gutierrez-Monroy. So this show is presented at TAP. It's going to be in view until July 21st. And it opened last night, so I'm recording this one day after. I'm really happy with how things went. Um, honestly, the performance was amazing. Uh, there was a really good response on the virtual reality piece and also the text. And so uh, we are planning on maybe having some more uh, performances and I will let you know about that on all the social media and website. So the website is tapmontreal, T-A-P-Montreal.com. And we will letting you know around Instagram or Facebook or uh, the, the website as well when the next performances will be held at TAP. So, yeah, I mean, again, uh, I'm super happy with uh, the response. I kept saying last night to friends that I was really happy that probably I knew about, you know, 30 to maybe 40% of the people who came to the opening. I didn't know most of them, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I think that that's a healthy sign. And, you know, hopefully we'll continue to Um, attract newcomers to the arts and and people with uh, with different opinions, right? So in this podcast, you'll listen to the conversation I had with Laura Acosta and David Jaime Ruiz about everything that surrounds the making of this exhibition. And uh, well, without further ado, this is me and Laura and David talking. Tengo los niveles ya listos. Nice. ¿Sí? Entonces, we can switch. Okay, you ready to switch? As in English. Uh, yeah. Of course, in English. It's in English. Claro, claro. Um, so it's going to show that it's gonna three show. of us are from around. Yeah? It's going to show. Yeah. It's going to show. Yeah. One thing you should know, it's going to show. <laughs> it's going to show. They're going to know. They're going to know. They always know. We're not from around. They all, they, they, everybody knows. Do you guys yeah. like your voices in English better or in Spanish better? Or you don't care? I think it's really different. It's super different. Yeah. yeah. Super My voice gets really low in English. I agree. Yeah. In Spanish, think, it sounds like very... I think it's because in Spanish or Spanish-speaking mm -hmm. countries, we tend to open our, our mouths more. Well, that, in English, the, they don't. Vocales. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Vocales. Uh -huh. And English... Speaking countries, they don't usually open their mouths as much. Okay. I think, I huh. think that's the reason. Interesting, that could be. Yeah. So, um, thank you for coming to talk to me about all this stuff. The purpose of this interview and, and of this podcast is to, you know, talk a little bit about the show, but not really about the pieces. It's more about you know everything that surrounds the show. Because I think that's really interesting to know a little bit more about how the show is created. And in what context is this happening? I think that it's rich when when you get a little bit of more access in that way to a show. 
<clears throat> what do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, you always get kind of molded into the context you you're you're living in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very very different for an artist as as Laura. Mm -hmm. The kind of art she would be doing here versus the kind of art she would be doing in, in another country, in her home country, for Definitely. example. Now, mm -hmm. the city, the city kind of has an influence in in you. I think. Yeah. Even for me as an architect. Mm -hmm. And for the kind of work I do, it's very different to, to do work here than it is to do work in Mexico City. Definitely. Mm. Just the type of buildings are completely different. So I guess that is true as well for art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? That's the other thing, too. Sometimes, like, when you're making, yeah, you can consume a lot of things, like a lot of theory or a lot of, like, these reasons why you're so fried on an idea, like, so stoked on an idea. But at the end of the day, like, no one should have to like get it either. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So like people should just be able to like, like put on it any conversation mm. that it ignites in them too. So to speak outside it of the form, I think is like super important. Right. Which is something that like sometimes is so annoying. It becomes so codified for me when the mm. people that know about it can only talk about it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that happens a lot, but also happens that, you know, you approach any piece of art And inevitably, you'll have something that bounces on you. Mm -hmm. And just that by itself, it's, you know, your own perspective of mm -hmm. the piece or whatever you bring with you. And then you're reflected in, in whatever you're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I keep saying the forbidden word, like understanding. I mean, what the fuck is that? You know, it's like... There's nothing the, to get. Exactly. Like yeah. whatever you see and you like connect through your memories and your like lived experiences and whatever you ate that morning, whatever mood you're in, whoever you saw, like... That's what the connection is when you see anything. You mm -hmm. shouldn't have to be like, I get it or I don't get it. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. I think that people get to hang up on that, on, on the yeah. I understand, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, like when you're seeing art for the first time, I think that happens often. Yeah. That, you know, like when you're in initiating in the mm -hmm. world of art or whatever, I think you try really hard mm -hmm. to say, okay, what's going on here? I, I, at least my experience was like that. And then you realize that it's not about that. Mm -hmm. You know, that is like very much something else. It's like, how do I react to this thing? Yeah. Let's go on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's very, very subjective. No, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not an objective subject. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it, it tends to, it lends itself to, to, to be represented. Like every, anyone can have a, an opinion about art. Right. Anyone can have a different opinion about it. Definitely. Everyone yeah. should. Yeah, and, and everyone and everyone yeah. should. That's yeah. that's a reason art. It it motivates you to it. It moves you it moves you in a certain way. Yeah. Like it makes you feel things, I think. Yeah. That's that's the whole reason of art. It makes you either feel good about it or sometimes there's art that is intended to make you feel bad about the situation. And yeah. it's good. I mean But at the same time, like I think Not to make like a hierarchy here of like art forms or whatever, but for example, using VR mm -hmm. or using textiles in my experience or using performance, I think those kind of mediums really allow for like a real conversation of like just experience, like have a sensorial experience of what it is. And yeah, of course, there's a narrative as to why we made it. Of course, there's like a reason why we thought of a certain thing that led us to that material, but no one should like come in and be like, oh yeah, immigrants in what You know what I mean? Like right. that, that to me is foolish when there's art. And yeah, I guess it's a, I'm a little like 
not radical as a stupid word, but like a little like set in my ways for that kind of opinion. Like when people make art that is like, like in illustrative or like uh, representational of like a topic, mm-hmm. it's so closed. It's just right. like a cartoon or something, you know, like right. Right. I, I like things that like that are like uh, porous, you know, open, like permeable that you can like transgress. You can transgress you. You can like and not like it. You can attach meaning to it. You cannot. You know, you but it's not like about it. As yeah, well. and you can just it, it. It should open up a conversation. Yeah, exactly. in that sense, Definitely. even if it's not meant to be about politics, art is political in that sense because it opens conversations. Then, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you guys: Where are you from? How long have you been in in Canada? I think that's um. Go ahead. Let's start with uh, let's start with Lara. Um, I'm from Colombia. Mm-hmm. I've been in Canada for 18 years now, which is more time than I've been in Colombia. There was a time when it was I was more from there than from here. That's how I always measured it. Right. I remember the year that it was half and half. And then after that, it's been like, whoa, like well, I'm from tipped. here. Yeah. What happened in that year, in the middle year? I don't know. I just took, I remember taking conscience of it. Just like, oh shit, like now it's been, oh, yeah. it's like uh-huh. half and half. Yeah. Um, and now it's more, so it's like, I'm from here. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm from Colombia. I've been here 18 years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but I think that that is a really interesting phenomena. For instance, when I surpassed the time that I had lived in a, in a city in Mexico where I, I went to university, it felt really weird. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, cause I, I remember that as being really important in my life. Yeah. But then when that happened in Montreal, I was like, oh shit, like I passed that already. Yeah, it's like gone. I'm like completely, yeah, yeah. and you can feel the change and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. How about you, David? Uh, I am Mexican. Yeah. I've lived in Mexico. I lived in Mexico city for 30 years. Yeah. So I'm 33 now. Right. <laughs> I've been living in Montreal for the last two years, almost three years. Yeah. And I immigrated as, uh, uh, well, actually it was my wife, Tanya, your friend. Mm-hmm. She immigrated firstly. Uh, she's been living here for eight years now. And she we got married and I, then I migrated to Canada with her. Right. So this is my third year here. Yeah, wow. and it starts. It's starting to feel like home now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and yeah, I really like the city. The city. It feels like a huge city in terms of of the scale of it, but at the same time, there's not a lot of people like in Mexico City, which was a jungle. Yeah, and I, you kind of feel good about it. I kind of feel good about it because, um, because the scale is a important part of 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 my life. As an architect, I think that is, I, I I tend to measure a lot of things in terms of scales. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> you Two talked about now. time. I talked about no. I talked about time. You talked about space. Yeah. <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> yeah, we got it covered. <laughs> so you came with your family, Laura, yeah. to Canada. Yeah, and yeah. Wh- where do you guys uh, go in um, Canada? We arrived to London, Ontario, in yeah. two thousand. Um. We actually were going to live in New York. My dad was there first. But like the life of an an immigrant in the United States is something else than Canada. It's so different. Like we would have like remained that role of the immigrant there, you know? Yeah. Whereas here, maybe it's like less, like less about money, more about lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, so we came here in 2000, but we arrived in London, Ontario. Right. Because there was a big wave of immigrants or not immigrants, Colombians. They were arriving there. 
I mean, we don't we don't have to go through the whole thing, but for you, knowing that you came here as a refugee, did that affect you growing up? Like, how, how was that? Totally, because yeah. I, like, we had to sort of leave, like, involuntarily or something. The situation in Colombia was just so heavy that coming here, I guess, was nice. It felt sort of like a better life, like we're going to a better life. But then coming here, I didn't know the language at that time. Like, there was definitely no adaptation for kids who didn't know the language right. <laughs> as basic as that is. So right. the the treatment and the way that like I position myself towards others definitely was uh, marked forever, mm. right? Because I felt like the other, I felt different. And I remember at that time, like really wanting to like not be associated with being Colombian. Oh, wow. I mm. was like, even the way I wanted to speak English, would like, I would try to like, to get the, the well, raw. <laughs> you right. know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm from Colombia, like... Because you don't want to be different when you're sure, young, no, especially. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there was no role models. And like reggaeton wasn't hot back then. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't like this acceptance of yeah. as much as Canada, especially at that time, was like multiculturalism. Right. Da, 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 but that just means like bring your empanadas so we mm. know that that's what you eat. Mm -hmm. Didn't really mean anything about like the particularities of people that come from different places. Yeah. So it was weird. But yeah, Despacito wasn't there yet. Despacito wasn't there yet. Yeah, exactly. And nobody <laughs> cared about wanting it, like, yeah, wanted exactly. it to come, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was like... Was there a time when you felt that switch? When you felt like, okay, so maybe, you know, people are being more open to accept other cultures and specifically, you know, Latin Americans. It's just weird because more people came, like yeah. more, um, like I was exposed to more immigrants, mm -hmm. you know? So that also makes you have a feeling of like, okay, like... I get it. I'm like, when I first arrived, I didn't know what my role was. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if I had grown up in Colombia, my role would have been to just be a person. I don't know. I'm not really thinking of myself in the context of others in that sense. Yeah. But whereas here I was different and then I started being exposed to more people. So I started knowing that I was the Latin person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but also it. not yeah. knowing really what that means because I arrived when I was so young. Yeah. You know, so then I remember the switch where I wanted to really be more close to that Latin culture. Uh -huh. And I wanted to uh, hang out with people that spoke Spanish and I wanted to like listen to m music that was closer to something that I like more. I like English music. I'm not trying to divide that. But um, I feel like from that came like a like an over exaggeration uh -huh. of what I thought was being Latin. So, and then I also noticed it from people around me, which is like kind of like the the view of a Latin person inside North America is not really Latin. It's North American. Sure. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And that's kind of like what like ignited my my body of work, like those masks that we wear and how superficial really is and how like um, arbitrary it is sometimes yeah. how we make identity. Yeah, definitely. We're just like, and I want this and that and this makes me feel good because like we just want to belong. We don't want to feel like the other. Right. But now when you look around, there's so much representation of like brown girls, of like females in art, females in any field, mm -hmm. like all these things that I felt up on, uh, as an outsider for. And I think it's really cool for like little, I know it sounds so like lame and stuff, like for little children to grow up, <laughs> but like it's super <laughs> no, important because no, when sure. I looked around, there was no mirrors. Yeah. It was all people that like didn't look like me, didn't talk like me, didn't like you know yeah. and that was weird of course yeah of course i mean like you you want you need that representation to yeah. to know, just to know that it's possible that you get to places like that exactly for sure absolutely exactly. i mean exactly. and i think that that's something that 
I, I don't know how it's in Colombia, yeah. but in Mexico where we grew up, mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a society, for me at least, that is very um, classist. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of classism yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. It's not so much within race, although in I Mexico it happens uh, too. That's kind of yeah. the underlay yeah. of it, yeah, though, sure. really. Sure. That yeah. classism in South America, in Latin America, yeah. is yeah. based on race. It's true. It's so true that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it happens a lot in Mexico as well. Like yeah. this classism, based, the, the basis of it is racism. I mean, people in Mexico, we don't want to admit that we are racist, but we are, I think. Yeah, I very much. Yeah. I mean, like the insult, what is one of the most uh, common insults in Mexico is when they, somebody calls somebody else Indio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so in Colombia, too. Yeah. Like okay. to be, o sea, un indio is like like yeah. brute when they don't know how to handle themselves properly. When yeah. it's like, at least in Colombia, like un indio is como, uy, no sea indio. Like, don't be like, yeah. if you're being like, yeah, I don't know how to use that word in Spanish. Yeah, I mean, you would say like somebody without like a lot of education, lot maybe. Of education. But even like conniving, like that's uh-huh. the kind of connotation there. Uh-huh. Like, or like, like somebody, cutting someone off, like not having that kind of education, you know. Right. Or even somebody who's poor, just, yeah. just like poor yeah who has no means like yeah. who has been poor his whole life because of the system right because right. because the system has designed society yeah. to be very far apart that's it but what's crazy is that those people themselves they're also mexican it yeah. just so happened that like some genes went down yeah and like they're like <laughs> trying to separate themselves like so badly so that like self-hatred that like colonialism left that like self-racism yeah is even crazier that's like next level like intrinsic for generations and generations how do you get that out exactly like that mentality that white is better how do you no just yeah. delete that that is that is like so ingrained in the mexican society at least mm-hmm. that it's it's just so I think all of south america yeah i think i think so it's the colonialism is true yeah. like the leftovers of that but i mean it's so interesting to put those two things in the balance like mexico and how all those things happen there and also north america because I don't know, I may be completely wrong, but I think that there's a little bit of more voice here for people to say these things, give your opinion in like places like this, in places like, I don't know, in the arts, mm-hmm. in places in, you can go in, in to a protest or something and it's, it'll be, you know, it'll be accepted, I think. Mm-hmm. But if you try and see what happens in Mexico or in Colombia, Poor people, they have zero they have voice. No voice. Yeah. yeah, zero right. voice, zero opportunity. They have no representation yeah. in, in, in absolutely Congress zero representation. Like I mean, nobody. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's that's a big difference between those two things. That at least here you feel at least like you can, you know, like you you feel a little bit more, quote unquote, like righteous. You know, like you have the right to like say, hey, you've been a fucking racist <laughs> or, yeah. you know, you've been this or, or that or like the system, it's been this with me, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think the thing that happened here, though, is that many different races had to like build together, let's say the nation or whatever, mm-hmm. alongside oppressing each other with a hierarchy, whatever, da, da, da. But what happened in South America is that they kind of came and like either try to wipe it all out or like mix with it or, you know, subjugate it. But in any case, everything that came from it, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Even if there's lighter skin or whatever, they're all the same. So like to call race- racism or like oppression on each other when yeah. they're all also oppressed, yeah. even the white dude in Mexico is oppressed. Oh yeah, for sure. Even the white dude in Mexico has no voice. Yeah. So I'm not talking for Mexico, I'm talking about for South America. So sure. the conversation that's developing here, I think is because 
at the end, yeah, like Latin Colombian or Colombian uh, Canadian or Mexican Canadian, but really like there's still no, yeah, it hasn't fully merged. So that's why yeah. I think they can like reclamar, like uh -huh. claim it? back, claim guess, back yeah, to each yeah. other. Yeah, but I was gonna say. Like, there's this line that's so beautiful from Los Tigres del Norte. Uh -huh. I didn't cross the border. The border crossed me. <laughs> and that line applies to both immigration, colonialism, like, even, like, virtual realms. Like, we're, like, doesn't matter if you're inside your country, if you migrate to the country, you're just, like, whatever. These things are imposed on us. Like, uh -huh. these hierarchies, these divisions, these, like, fragmentations, no matter what, where you are, they're imposed on you. Absolutely. It's a beautiful uh, line. <laughs> the very famous Tigres del Norte. That's um, let's change gears a little bit because this can go forever. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. like these are like really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, let's let's go on to something else that um, I think is, is also very interesting. Uh, so, David, you're, you're an architect. Uh -huh. and, I was trained uh, as an architect. Yeah, you're trained as an architect. <laughs> I'm not an architect here. Not an architect here? No, never will be here. I don't I don't think so. But why? Anyways. You need to make the certification. Yeah, I need to make certifications and I don't really think I want to do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Personal choice? Yeah, personal choice. I mean I, I studied architecture in Mexico City mm -hmm. and it was a conscious choice. But I don't think that's my vocation really. Okay. I mean, I really like architecture, but I'm more interested in, in technology and technology applied into architecture technology and photography, mm -hmm. which is kind of the the reason why I do what I do, which is 3D renderings and virtual reality stuff right. lately. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wanted to ask you, specifically you, what is your perception of the art community in Montreal? We're making a show that is going to be inserted into the community of the arts, specifically with like maybe Concordia, UCAM, kind of like schooling, and also a little bit of the professional you know, arts and artists in, in Montreal? Well, I think for starters that Montreal is a very rich city in terms of in terms of arts. I've never seen a city that has as much installations, as much art exhibitions as Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, it is known, well, I didn't know before coming, but it is known that it is one of the biggest cities for artists in North America. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, you can tell there is always something going on in terms of art. Mm -hmm. Even the city organizes some some things that, I mean, the city is always organizing things, but it, it's organizing things for artists, for mm -hmm. artists to get along with each other and to exhibit their work. And it's very interesting. I've never seen anything like that in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested in art in Mexico, in Mexico having a lot of museums, mm -hmm. but I see the, like so many artists here in Montreal that it's it's mesmerizing sometimes. Right. Like and the 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 quant not not even the quantity but the quality of artists. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you think that there's a lot of openness. I think there too. is a lot of openness, and I think there is a lot of room for artists to explore their own language. Yeah. But I guess. Uh, in terms of exhibition places, I've been told that there is not as much space for artists, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is kind of good. What you're doing with with tap, mm -hmm. it's 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 a very nice gesture mm -hmm. from you to to 
to give this opportunity for for artists who don't have the the space to to get some recognition right mm. well, well i think i think the uh, the objective a little bit and we talked about this for a while uh between us that it's it's precisely this like, like i don't think that there's a lot of opportunities for other voices in general within the art community you know like different voices within inside but also what's what's in the outside so that's why i ask you this question because you know you're coming in as as a great addition to this because you have a different voice you have a different way to see things and you have a vision of like the city you have a vision of as you said like the scale mm -hmm. you have a vision of like you know all your lived experiences of course like everybody else but specifically you know with your background so i think that that can make it really rich but i just don't see a lot of that kind of representation mm -hmm. in the arts. And, and I understand the whole idea of the professionalism of arts, but uh, let's, you know, let's see what it's in there, you know? And the, and the stakes can be as high or as low as you want them to be. It, that's kind of like the idea of that. And that's why I wanted to get your opinion on this. And it's, what do you think of this, Laura? Yeah, like, I think like transdisciplinarity is where it's at. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not even like, multidisciplinary like many different types of art together but it's like literally creating new types of uh, languages yeah. new types of mediums yeah. uh, new types of spaces so a space like yours because it's open enough that it can be experimental enough but at the same time like you know working with people who really care to say something serious because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're so serious <laughs> we care about serious things here um it, it's like uh, it's super of now yeah it's of the time I may I may put you in the spot, but I wanted to I wanted to um, define interdisciplinarity, multidisciplinarity, mm -hmm. and transdisciplinarity. Oof, that's like that's a tough, lecture yeah? and yeah. a half, man. That's that's, that's that's really tough, I think. Yeah. So, like when we're calling this exhibition transdisciplinary, mm. it's because David is coming with the architecture background. Mm -hmm. You are coming with uh, art background mm -hmm. and all that, and then like you guys are working together. Is that kind of like I kind of. The only way I think I can actually make a difference between those is by like the way they would be placed physically next to each other. So for me, uh, for me, <laughs> multidisciplinary, <laughs> same thing as multiculturalism. Right. There's many of a thing. Uh -huh. Oh, I might be botching this. If someone, if the, there's actual definitions that I'm messing up, I'm sorry, but this is for me, right? Right. Like multi for me means like many of the same thing at the same time, but not mixed, not together. You know what I mean? Like that saying, like, juntos pero no revueltos, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh, like uh -huh. at the same time, but like but keeping its us, own, yeah. like sort of uh, limits, its own boundaries. Right. Inter, so it's kind of like a, like a hybrid, mm -hmm. you know, but a hybrid still has very clear roots of this is this and this is that, which is kind of how I used to see myself as like Colombo Canadian, half and half, but that's not a thing, you know? Right. And for me, like trans, it's actually something that's like transgressed into something else. Mm. It's like something that, It's like made up of the parts that compone it, mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily need to have those parts be like individual, you know, even in the piece that we worked on together, I feel like the the sensorial part of my textile piece and the sensorial part of the VR are like, you know, merged together or even visually, you know, we try to go there too, like merge things together, but in a way that like, you know, there's no beginning, no end, like there's no, again, there's nothing to get it just, and I think that's what transdisciplinary opens this space for right something that's a new being you know? yeah it's like a new thing exactly exactly mm -hmm. at least i thought the experiment no like it doesn't have to be anything physical 
It could be just something that makes you think what can be done later on. Just mm -hmm. a thought experiment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. I'm gonna just probably ask the question in your personal life or in the things that you're living in a daily basis, what kind of things inform this exhibition? Like what, what kind of uh, experiences inform this thing? The primero. Um, for me, well, I guess any kind of work that I do, my premise, like the thing that I'm interested in is the relationship between bodies, textile objects, and basically what comes out of that interaction. And then that's the performance, so that's the thing. So I always really notice, I guess, in a, and it ends up being always autobiographical, mm -hmm. like about like your experiences, mm -hmm. like how I'm feeling in the world or like these feelings of like how I relate to others, you know? Mm -hmm. So that really informs the kind of pieces that I make um, or the type of object that I make for a certain performance. Um, I like... I I guess yeah like I consume theory that I like I don't mm -hmm. feel like name dropping any no, of no, it because okay. I feel like yeah 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 no, contextualizing that's... yourself is in that sense it's like a little like art school you definitely, know what I mean definitely but um I don't know man like watching like soap operas and like <laughs> <laughs> and like people watching and like listening to a ton of reggaeton because it's really fun. Right. That like for real informs like my vibe towards the work. Yeah, no, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 no, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, well, I think the the city by itself it's a great experience. Like the cities you live in and the cities you don't live in, they'll tend to give you different well, obviously spatial experiences and as I said before, scale experiences like mm -hmm. Being in a city this big gives you a different experience of being in a in a tiny town, right? right. Um, photography, for example, photography is a big influence in in what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think really my vocation would have been photograph. Yeah, uh, you can still do it. It's still I can your still vocation. Do it. I mean, yeah. you like it? You're doing. I mean, like, doing how, like the way that you model these things that you yeah. do in VR. Like you need a ton of pictures. You need a ton That's of what pictures. You do. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. references are, are pictures right. all the time. Mm. Right. And doing renderings is actually like taking a photo. You just have to make a model of it first. Yeah. But the end result is always like taking a photo. Even the software that, that I use, the cameras inside of the of the software are are they have parameters that are very similar to a to a to a camera. Mm -hmm. It's always happened in 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 architecture. I think that you get influenced by other projects uh -huh. and it's that is true as well for for 3d renderings you always get influenced by people who have, have been doing that as well right. so if you see an image that you like you always kind of want to replicate mm. you always feel a bit like a pirate <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um let's talk about day jobs day jobs <laughs> what do you guys do um, I'm the head of costumes at the theater department of Concordia University. Well, so my job is to assemble the wardrobe and the costuming for the productions that happen each cool. semester. That sounds fun. Is it fun? Uh, it's really fun because it's like, yeah, it's like a, a whole different way of working with textiles that I never experienced before you are building a character. So in order to build a character, it's really important. I know it sounds so redundant, but the story. Right. So then even like, let's say someone has a sword or something, 
like where he carries it, why he carries it there, how he pulls it out. All these things are so interesting to think about from the perspective of like an imaginary or someone that, that well, it's not imaginary, but someone that you're trying to create. Uh -huh. So that's been super like challenging, but really interesting. A really interesting kind of learning cool. experience. Yeah. yeah. So this is the first time you're making costumes for that type of... Uh... For like traditional for reason, theater. Yeah, yeah, theater, yeah. Because yeah. uh -huh. I guess with what I do, it's like performance and it's textile. So it's kind of in the world of wearable costuming things. But this is for, you know, traditional theater. So it's like it's sometimes, it's, you know, uh, last time it was like Shakespeare. So there's a right. king and da da da. Yeah. And then they were aging on, a, on an island. So like we had to make this dress of this little girl who... So it was a woman, but like her dress had to look like she wore that when she arrived to the island. Uh-huh. We got this little kid dress and started tearing it up. Like, how would a woman grow into a dress? So, like, imagining that, that was such mm -hmm. a trip. It was so cool. That was very cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, like, what kind of tools would she use? Like, she would use rope and where would she put it? Like, you're like, oh, your arms would grow like this and yeah. like that. And the final piece was a little bit abstract, but it was, like, made with a story. So, nice. like, to make textiles with a story is a really... Really interesting, interesting trip, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And and from the first place, from the beginning, where does that come from? Your interest in textiles and, and making wearable sculptures, basically. It's really weird because lately I've actually, especially because I've been sewing a lot of plastic, I, I remember when I was really little, I would like stitch paper with my mom's needles. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know why. But then anyways, later on I grew up and I wanted to do fashion. I always knew it was either fashion okay. or art. Mm -hmm. And I was about to go to uh, Ryerson for fashion but I felt young and da-da-da, so I was like, like too young to go to Toronto by myself, da-da-da. So I was like, I'm just going to do art. And then there I got really interested in the whole like cultural identity thing. So I made wood carvings of uh, textile patterns. Mm -hmm. So they were like objects that were inspired by textile patterns. And then from there it was just like, well, duh. Oh, no, I learned how to weave. And then it was like, well, duh. Instead of like mixing like the literal representation of two images, making, you know, garments. And then that led to, well, you can make you can make textiles without thinking about the body. And you can't think about the body without thinking about space. So that led to performance. All right. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a, like a really straight yeah. <laughs> straight line. But wait, so yeah. like was there any artists in your family? Um well, all my aunts are really crafty. Like yeah. every Christmas they'll make like not all one and then they all would kind of like emulate it. Anyways, whatever. But I have this one uncle who would um, had a business of uh, decorations for buses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, South America, what buses look like, like it's, it's kind of like all embellished and the lights and like inside, uh, like inside the bus. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like <laughs> which is like a crazy thing to yeah. think about setting up a store for. So I think he was like the only artist in my family. Cool. Some musicians, but art like made yeah. objects that yeah. dude. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. At least yeah. you had like that reference. I was very young. I just remember hearing about it and like, but now that you're asking me if there was any artist like that yeah. guy, Tio Jose, <laughs> can pass this cancer. <laughs> I wanted to mention that uh, that thing you were saying that uh, you were doing uh, um, garments for for your play, for the Shakespeare play, mm -hmm. and that you needed to 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 make these garments look like they were kind of used, like they had to wear and tear. Yeah, I find. That happens in in architecture as well, like well, what in what oh, I do in in yeah. in three D renderings, and I found that about this well into my career that if you make a rendering that is very 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 clean, no one's gonna buy that. Like buildings oh. are not super clean. They they might be super clean the first day they were born, uh -huh. 
but uh, the city it's a building and right. they get wear and tear and, and they get derelict uh -huh. by the time. So it's a really nice like thought that that happens like as parallel. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That happens as well in, in in fabric. Yeah, like the aesthetic of trying to put like some sort of history to it. Yeah, exactly. It's not exactly. Like, like yeah, yeah. Putting wear and tear into into things. Yeah. But I guess that's true. I mean, like even even like any clothing, any piece of garment. Yeah. When you start to use it, like you give it your own kind of like shape or like takes your patterns of movements or whatever. Yeah. And I see like that being like a the city wearing the buildings. The buildings. Yeah. Yeah. So like whatever yeah. the city is. Like making the building, you know, it's having like exactly like a character yeah. or some sort of uh, specific yeah. feeling to it. That's cool. Yeah, it is like cool. the aesthetic of history. Yeah, exactly. Is like the time wear and tear. passing through the buildings, yeah. time passing through the garments. It's, yeah, 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 it's interesting. Wow. But when it's fake, that's the fun. That's the crazy thing when yeah. it's like imposed on. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, mm. that is part of the art, I think, making it look like it was worn, making it making it look like it was old yeah so that is real that is real yeah yeah, yeah. and something's too shiny too new it's yeah like, it's you don't not, trust it you don't trust it exactly you don't trust it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. why is it so clean it's not, show me something <laughs> a little bit so yeah yeah That's well funny. i mean like i don't want to like throw this in a in a negative connotation or whatever but like that's how i feel a little bit with the white cube Mm. It's, it's great. I like that it, they exist. And I like that, you know, there's some commercial galleries that exist like that. But the problem that I find with this is like, when in life do you find something so concentrated, something so pure mm -hmm. in, in your day-to-day -day experiences is hard. Yeah. I mean, nothing is really like that. There's a lot more distractions. There's a lot more things that happen and all that. And I feel like that makes it into a little bit something that is not that relatable, you know, or that it feels really cold and really... Clinical. Like alienating yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Very clinical, there, yeah. like you said, no? Yeah. Like it yeah. feels like you you can operate on somebody in that space. And sometimes it feels like that, right? Yeah. Like it feels like, oh shit, like I, I, I better be careful in how I walk in yeah. this place yeah. because I don't want to mess anything up. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think to go back to what we were saying before, like to me, those kind of spaces just lead to like, I better get it. Uh -huh. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't have like, muddy or like confused conversation in a place that like has it so clear right you know like i think it cuts out like the real world right and and the the crazy paradox for me is that art is supposed to be a comment on the real world you know <laughs> sure. so and then you bring it into a space where it's not real did you get it <laughs> yeah and it's not real yeah, exactly yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. too like shiny too, and hard yeah, like yeah, we need too like perfect the, too proper to but in that sense, like you talking about the city, like I, before I entered this body of work, what I was interested in was street performance and finding architectures in the city that were stages. So that already had artificial lighting that already had like, you know, like a frame to work inside of, cause there's so much of it. And that leads to actually, I don't know, for me, like, like transgressing the day, the day to day that I'm inspired by to make the work. And the reactions are varied and they're uncontrolled. Mm -hmm. You know, even the, the environment is uncontrolled. And the results are also like more, I don't know, more nuanced or something. Yeah, and rich. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, can we talk about the title of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the show? <laughs> it has its own chat. It, it has, has its own, own thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> it's, it's in three languages. 
trilingual. Trilingual. Yeah. And and I think in each language, it has its own thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, multi-language. Because <laughs> they're not together, it's, but they're in the same kind of world. It's multi. It's not trans. It's not trans language. <laughs> I think it's multi-language. If you guys want to say the title of the of the exhibition, yeah, let's... Let's, let's each go. say it in one language. Oh, there you go. I call okay. not French. I call French. <laughs> because you I call French? Yeah. So well. I can't say it in English then. So I'll say it what in is, Spanish. So you go first, because that's first in Spanish. Okay. Ser viniendo. Becoming. Devenir. <laughs> but I guess what I wanted to say is that devenir, it also applies in Spanish, right? Like something that becomes, right? It, you can say that in Spanish as well, devenir. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a word in Spanish. I just, oh, devenir is straight up a word. Yeah, yeah devenir. It's a word in Spanish. Use it in a sentence. Mm. El devenir de mañana. De México. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you're uh -huh. right. So it's yeah. Spanish twice. <laughs> but, but wait, no, no. I mean, I guess, I guess but it, it's not really popular. Like, no, not, no. not too many people use it. So, like, maybe they, they, it would be lost into the French. Yeah. yeah. Especially here. Yeah. So I yeah. think it was important to, to make it clear that it was also in Spanish, no? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so, like, it comes from the play on words uh, from English first, yeah? Yeah. Is that right? Becoming. Becoming. Becoming separated, be and coming uh -huh. in like a literal way would be ser viniendo. Uh -huh. And, you know, they both like imply similar things, but they're not similar things, right. which is what I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I think it's, it, it just fits really well with everything that we've been talking about yeah. before of like the threshold, the, the in-between things. Uh, the the actual movement of the body within the geography, yeah, but also you know like within the experiences here, mm -hmm. like in this space by itself, and um, I mean that's a topic that I've been thinking for my own self like so much lately, and and I think I said this before in the podcast that one day I was coming back from Mexico, and the officer at the airport, he said, "Welcome back home." Oh. And that freaked me out. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like shit. It's like, freaking. where, where is that now? Yeah. I mean, like, I honestly, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is your place. But now. but then, yeah. like, but then here you also feel a little bit, you know, alienated. Not alienated, but like not completely, fully on immersed. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, like, I, I think at the end, I don't know if this is um, this is what I found for myself that. You kind of like make your own traditions, you make your own things, you start to yeah. make your own kind of like, you know, I don't know, life. <sighs> Sorry, I, I don't want to go. <laughs> Tell us more. I want to hear all about it. But it's like something that's so relatable without even yeah. like thinking that you're being like nostalgic yeah. Yeah, or something. Exactly, exactly. It's something that's so relatable. Like yeah. belonging. It's such that's a weird it. Yeah. thing that has us belonging. all trying to figure it out. That feeling of belonging is something that we all strive for, right? Yeah. Like belonging to yeah. somebody, belonging to some place, belonging. But I think that even if you are in your own culture, yeah. like you yeah. need to belong to like a, a group. You're We're tribal, right? Totally. Like we're like really... Yeah, we're you social know, creatures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you need to make sure that, you know, within your group, you're accepted, that you have an opinion, that you have this and that. And I think that that can be also a little bit of an issue. Just because, yeah, exactly. Because you, you tend to do that, right? Yeah. You tend to go with the people that you uh, really enjoy and then that is easy for you to be with. 
And what happens then is that, you know, you leave aside so much more. And yeah. like, you know, like, I think it's a common and it's a human thing. Um, I just don't think that is the most, you know, maybe progressive. Well, I think mm-hmm. there, that's the political power mm-hmm. of the idea of dislocation. Right. Or I don't know how to say this word in English, but deambular. Uh-huh. Deambular is when you're parsing through things and trying to figure out, which is kind of how we live our yeah. lives, you know, yeah. but because our like, like need to belong, we need to like understand and we need to put things in categories and be there. So we're not confused. Like we don't let ourselves be confused very mm-hmm. much, but we are all the time. So that's the oh, eternal yeah, struggle, sure. you know what I mean? But like we don't allow ourselves to not get something. And that's why, for example, putting when I used to do performance on the street, putting an object or a form or even an irregular movement, you know, like taking the metros and people are walking in a line and you enter it and do like something different with your body. It creates like a bubble. It creates mm-hmm. like really transgresses space, you right. know, right. but then doing that really makes people question. Like you sometimes end up um, not seeing things like what is called a negative hallucination when you don't see something that is there because you're so in your routine, you're in your thing of belonging, you're, you're homogenizing mm-hmm. sort of like... Um, the normality that makes you feel comfortable and safe, you miss a lot. Right. So I think to tell someone like about dislocation and the fact that they can actually see a space however they want or be in a space, inhabit a space however they want, is like highly political. Absolutely. But I think the power on, on what you're saying about the transgression, to be transgressive with art, with commentary, with all that, like it's really important, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe some people are going to feel not super comfortable in that kind of like conversation. But if you're open enough, you'll make it work. You or know? then you're not comfortable. Why aren't you comfortable? That's a, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, what is that revealing about your expectations? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that that's something really cool that art has the potential of doing. Like showing people what it is that if you see something, why are you seeing that? But within itself, I think like even, and that's what I wanted to say. So when you belong to a group, into a tribe, mm-hmm. hardly ever happens that you question your group. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. you're part of it. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to go against yourself, no. right? No. But I think that is so healthy to do that once in a while, to do Be like critical. a little checkup, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, I think that that's what a little bit misses the art world in general. Because like, you know, we all belong to the same, and I keep saying this, like belief system, right? Yeah. Like we all agree with things and all that. But like, when do we stop and say like, okay, so what, why are we doing things this way? And then yeah. you say like, oh, because that's the way we do things, yeah. you know, as a, as, a, as a group. And say so like, well, wait, let's, let's make a little change and then see what happens, you know, yeah, like yeah. let's experiment in this thing. Um, and, I, and I think that with your exhibition, something like a little bit of that is happening. The experimentation, like actually it's going to happen there in the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. so. yeah, I mean, like when when you think about it, um, normally you would say, okay, so who's the other artist or who's there? And then you say, like, it's an architect. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it could be a really interesting take in general. Yeah. Of things. Yeah, because the way you think about shaping experience is so different. It's very special. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. You always think of yourself as inside of a spatial environment no you feel always inside of something like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's my that's my participation as an architect like doing something spatial right Mm -hmm. yeah and and you didn't tell us what your day job 
my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working here in Montreal as a freelance 3D artist yeah. and also a freelance 3D render mm-hmm. person for different architecture offices. Mm-hmm. I started working with an office called DMA. Uh, they are a very, very architectural offices, like really lots of architects doing architecture stuff, <laughs> which is nice, I guess. Uh, I really enjoy doing renderings for them because their projects are very nice, are very, very proper and very clean. And But they are also very institutional, which is one of the reasons I don't want to revalidate my studies as an architect, in the, the doing things like very step-by-step and having to go back and forth between the clients, the institutions, and a lot of codes that need to be taken into account into a project. That's something that I'm not really interested in. But anyways, most of the time what I do with them is uh, imagery. Mm. So I don't get involved in the the project as much. Uh, I take decisions on materials, for example. They trust me a lot with materials and uh, lighting and and illumination of the the scene. Mm -hmm. And also I've been doing, well, I did some 3D renderings for a couple of architecture competitions for some buildings here in Montreal. One of them is uh, the La Bibliothèque de Saint-Sulpice, which is here in Saint-Denis. The the renderings I did for for these guys, they won the competition, so they were super happy with that. So cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Congrats. And yeah, yeah, I think the cool. they're doing the project right now. They are building the the, the library. Okay. And um, I think it must be opening in a couple of months. I'm not really sure. I I haven't I haven't been following them. And also, I work with uh, a company called Fly Studio here in Montreal. Uh, as a freelance 3D artist, they contacted me because of my background in architecture. And the first project I did with them, it was for a big city in Dubai. Whoa. Uh, so they, they, their clients sent them some, some information about a new city that it's huge, like the scale of it, it's, it's enormous and it's a bit overwhelming. And they wanted me to do all of the fly through for, uh, you know, when you want to buy real estate, you get, you get to see imagery or even video of how this your the apartment you're going to buy oh, or okay. is gonna is gonna look like like the kind of, the blueprints but in like an actual rendition of the space yeah exactly kind of thing, right? that kind of imagery is what they want to do but in video whoa but doing that it takes a for a lot. city yeah for a city oh, wow. yeah okay doing that for a city takes a lot a lot of time yeah wow Th- that was the first project that they wanted me to work with them and that took. I don't know, like four months or so. And even now, I think they're still doing some things for these guys. So it's an ongoing project for them, not for me. Uh, (laughs) How much of the city did you do? Like, did did they give you like a bunch of streets or how did they give me like a layout of the street? And I had to figure out how to incorporate uh, like things that belong to the streets, like benches, trees, uh, greenery, etc. Yeah. The thing is, um, for a scale this big, mm-hmm. nobody has like a clear idea of where sure. things the are placed. Is gonna go. Yeah, exactly. So you have to figure it out um, on your own. 
basically. So you had the, the freedom to choose where the benches were going to go, yeah. and like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all those things. Oh, yeah. interesting. Like, at the same time, that's so interesting. Like, like in any city, you're just making me think about it. Like, and everything that's there. Yeah, somebody has, has to take a decision. Somebody made a, yeah, like everything, not, there's nothing arbitrary. No, there's there are no, nothing like, arbitrary. There's, there's no. mistakes, I'm sure, but there's no, like, yeah. loose sense. But that's, that's when there's planning, because there are cities and I go back to Latin America, that they grow right. like crazy. Like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're and they about just do that the themselves. Yeah, yeah they, they just do every, yeah. anything by itself, like yeah. no planning, yeah. no, no. Uh, what is it called? Um, urbanism. Yeah, urbanism. Uh -huh. And they, they just go insane. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. That is true. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. But in a city, this plan, for sure, you, yeah. you, get, you get the freedom to say, like, every second establishment is going to be a bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that even guides, right? <laughs> but that even guides how people behave within it. Oh, for sure. You I know? mean, yeah, there's a whole field of study in, in architecture uh -huh. that is, like, how buildings and, and the, how they plan them is how the people react to them. To each, but to each other, like how they socialize. How they behave within yeah, them. within them. Yeah. And then within, you know, how how the building promotes or, or not promotes socializing. It's kind of like choreographs yeah. our movements. Exactly. Like yeah. the way we, you know. Yeah, For sure. Like yeah, designing the city is uh, it's a very, very difficult topic. Like it creates barriers or it creates uh, communities. That's it. Like for example, roads, big roads. Mm. These these are barriers for for communities. Yeah, they tend to isolate communities. Absolutely. Yeah. So urbanism is a big topic in in, in in architecture as well. They go hand by hand. I think. Yeah. Has to do a lot with power as well. Not only the power of choosing how things go, but like who goes where. Who goes where? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, are the limits of certain yeah. kind of people? Like. Yeah, 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 for sure. In the states, there's a there's a study, and it's kind of ironic that in almost every big city, the street that divides where the African American communities and the uh, Caucasian communities, like almost always, that big road, like mm -hmm. you were saying, it's called Martin Luther King. Huh. Wow. <laughs> that's very really crazy. Wow, that's, that's crazy. crazy. That is super ironic. It's, yeah. So, like, it's really crazy. So, but it's true. I mean, that, that kind of thing they really divides the city. Yeah. And, and you know, even, like, you know, fences. I There's a lot of fences. happens here in, in Boulevard Acadie. No, it's not Acadie. Oh no, um, it's a it's a Acadie, yeah. Yeah, it's Acadie. Acadie, uh huh. Yeah, this, there's like actually a fence. Yeah, there's a fence in yeah. this Caucasian community. They don't want people from the other side to even look at their houses. Not yeah. even Do you know what we're talking about? Like Is it towards... somewhere near Park X? Yeah. Because there yeah, was a space exactly. near Park X that was literally yeah. like segregated. That's it. Yeah, and like, you still see one. the You yeah. see you see the, the actual yeah. fence. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I drive by it to go to work every day, like yeah. towards Laval. Yeah, yeah. And like all all along the Acadie Boulevard. You can see the fence and like you can, if you drive in there, like which is a town of Montreal, uh -huh. yeah, town exactly. of TMR, yeah. it's super beautiful. It's like super rich and stuff. And then you go to the other side, Park, Park X and you know, it's a city. It's, yeah. It's a city, it's whatever, you know. It's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Architecture, like urbanism. Yeah. yeah. Um, everything is politics, like. Everything is uh, politics. For sure. You can, you can look at a city, you can look at art. It's, Honestly, it's I, I think by politics. for the longest time in my life, I ran away from that. But, mm -hmm. you know, the more and more I get in, involved in the art community, I feel that there's no way that you can really turn your back to this. You know, no. like you, you need to, you have to 
have an like opinion. Like you mean you ran from like what taking like a specific political yeah. stance? Yeah, like stance or like like strong opinions or something like that. And I still feel like opinions can be flowy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you mm-hmm. can you can like go you know mm-hmm. through one thing and then the next. But I think that is really important to be aware. And I think that these kind of like shows and and uh, exhibitions and places they need to have a, a stand. Mm-hmm. You know, because you cannot really be just there. Mm-hmm. More and more, I realize that what artists say that, you know, art is political by itself. It's mm-hmm. it's very true. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just true. It's, there's no way around. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, in conversations like these, topics go down to this, mm-hmm. you know? Politics. And, yeah. So like trickle down to, okay, so what's happening? Or like, why are we, you know, why is this happening? So, and you find the reason why it's like most likely something like this. Yeah. And, um... I just think that it's important to voice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as it's important also to have some fun, you know. But I think even if something like, I don't think for it to be like political, it needs to tell like a story sure. of, you know, uh, a political like action or a mm-hmm. political gesture as we know it, like ha- having to do with the state or choosing a side or having to denounce something always. I think it's just political and the fact that like as soon as you like, mess up reality or make a commentary on reality a commentary it's political in that sense like not like having to do with the state and stuff but political in the in the right that we have of the way we move and the way we think and what we can say to each other yeah that is political absolutely i mean about farts we can do that but like we're choosing to you know Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. yeah I, i totally agree with that um yeah i don't know if you guys had any other ideas on uh, topics of conversations or something. I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we can interview you. <laughs> we can ask you. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I share a lot. Like yeah, I want to do myself a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah we well, should. You no, have a microphone no, in front of you. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you, having a background in chemistry, yeah, got involved in this art yeah. world. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> like that's transdisciplinary. That right? is that's transdisciplinary. transdisciplinary. I mean, I'm amazed. Yeah. I mean, you being very curious person. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a constant. Yeah, I'm I always trying to like poke in things that I, I get interested in and I really like to go in it, you know, as an experiment, really. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I keep saying. Uh, and I think that I have that kind of like freedom in my mind because of that. Like I know that experiments sometimes fail mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You learn from it mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's just that. And I think... Uh, 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 you know, it's it's unfortunate if you think that everything has to work and everything well, has to Well, an outcome work. in itself is not, it's a success. It's yeah, an outcome. Exactly. You That's know? exactly right. Like you get yeah. like, you throw conclusions out of it or move on from it, whatever you do, but it's it's a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that, in that sense, for sure. Yeah, um, no action is ever silent. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But maybe that's, that's, that's what defines experience. creativity in your life. You yeah. know, like being a creative person, less so than like making art or not, or like, yeah. you know, it's just being curious about the connections you can make exactly or yeah. or even forget about all the kind of like you know when they say creatives yeah you know that you they box you in like a thing yeah. forget so about that draw. exactly <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i don't know yeah. like a farmer can be super like they need to be really creative yes of they course. have to you know yeah. or like people like you know the the whole idea of uh, what i was saying in the in one of the drafts that i wrote about the exhibition is like the figuring it out yeah, yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with creativity. Yeah, with like make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. just like with whatever resources you have, 
And with that, that there comes like a lot of, you know, thinking, a lot of creativity. In general. I mean, that's so. the thing, like creativity in itself, like the act of that is political. Doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter mm. what the story it is, doesn't matter mm -hmm. what the narrative or your personal anecdote that you're attaching to the little thing you made, because obviously you made it for a reason, da, da, da. but the act of even making something that doesn't exist or thinking of something that isn't or questioning something or yeah. making connections between things outside of these choreographed spaces that we're in every day, that's yeah. the like sure. the creative political act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, Last questions, maybe. Um, what what do you guys have planned for the near future? What do you What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just had a job interview today, and yeah. it seems like uh, I'm gonna be joining the ranks of uh, <laughs> awesome of an office here in Montreal soon. Yeah, that's great. Congrats. Congrats. It's good. Congrats. Yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a company that does some 3D related stuff, and it's something I've been looking forward to. Great. That's so cool. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. good time. Those are my plans for the future, for the near future. Yeah. For the far future, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's for sure. That's for sure. What is the future? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you? Um, well, right now I kind of like officially divided my life into like working life and like okay. artist, imposter life or whatever. So <laughs> as far as that, like... Uh, I mean, like the working life, I'm, I just really want to keep growing and learning about theater in like a more thorough way to inform my practice, you know, with mm -hmm. performance. And um, with performance, I have been noticing um, that these outcomes that happen when people are with the objects that I make are kind of like leading towards psychoanalysis, are really mm -hmm. revealing of, you know, people's like inner sort of, um, yeah, like states. Mm -hmm. So I have been going towards turning the the structure that I use for a performance into more of a, um, a workshop. So what I, I, I did one recently at Fanshawe College in London, Ontario, um, where I was able to work with a group of people to get them to fully improvise, like act over their space in a way that isn't um, planned, that isn't also acting, that isn't also, that, like how to get people to play is essentially what the premise of these performances are. So um, I'm trying right now. I think I'm going to end up doing a residency in Puerto Rico at the end of the of the summer, which That's I'm nice. excited for. And it's going to sure. ideally lead to more work that I'm developing with Santiago. And um, I, oh, I'm not allowed to talk, talk about that yet. And yeah, just trying to show more. <laughs> great. Show more work. I mean, that sounds, that sounds pretty promising. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations yeah. on the residency. And, Thank you. Yeah, congrats. And all that. And I, I just... To finish, I just wanted to say, like, thanks so much for trusting also in the project. I really yeah. feel really, uh, yeah, you know, touched for, for, like, you know, all the all the work and all the effort and the time and all that. So I really appreciate that you guys Thank are, you for trusting yeah. us. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, here's a thanks space. It's like, uh, can I mean, we do it? <laughs> <laughs> can we do it? <laughs> no, for sure. I think, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Actually, this is going to be aired a week after, so it's great. It looks yeah, so awesome. good. That moment <laughs> was. was amazing. Yeah, I remember the Bernie Sash. It's great. Exactly. Remember yeah. the Bernie Sash. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Marx. All right. ¿Quién decía algo en español? ¿Cómo vamos a terminar esto? ¿Cómo vamos a terminar esto? No, nada. Tiene que tener yeah. ni principio ni fin. No. Apágalo ya. Es como, es como viene en una conversión como en medio, pum, y yeah. ya. Yo estaba pen... <laughs>
Gracias, chicos. Gracias. Gracias. Thanks so much for sticking till the end. And uh, that was a conversation I had with Laura and David. It was a really, a really fun conversation for us to have. And um, I hope that this informs a little bit your visit next time in TAP. Uh, as I said at the beginning, we will be letting you know through social media when the next performances will be. I think that uh, if you have the opportunity, you should come see it. It's a very special thing and uh, it's not something that you get to see all the time. So um, I hope that you can come by and check it out. Thank you so, so much again for listening to this episode. And we will be back in three weeks with another regular episode of Into This Podcast. Please stay tuned. This episode was edited, produced, and hosted by me, Mark Stris Wilson, mixing, mastering, and music by Arcadio Lance. And the visual design, it's done always by the magnificent Victor Garibay. All right, so I hope that you guys are enjoying the World Cup. And remember, Wednesdays from 6 to 9, tap, it's opened. So please feel free to pass by and chat for a little bit with us and have a beer. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to see you there. All right, thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you.